Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden and Alyssa Mann, the queen of romance. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls! Well, here we are, friends. Do we want to introduce our guest? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Everyone, this is Shona G from Dallas-ish, Texas. Tell us your exact location so that if we have book girls in the area, they can relate. I am in Denton, Texas. That's the best way to describe it. Home of some college for women. We have two colleges, Texas Women's University and University of North Texas. That's the one. I was going to say women's studies. Yes. Every time I go to Dallas, Denton is where the traffic starts. Yep. It's a little better. It's a little better since they've widened 35, but it's still bad. That's true. We're very close to you, actually. When my sister used to come for the art show in Fort Worth, she would fly into Oklahoma City and we would drive and spend the weekend in Dallas and shop all the antique stores, which I have a favorite antique store there in Dallas that I just love. What is it? I put you on the spot. Sorry. That's okay. I'm terrible with, fuck, I don't know. All right. When you come the next time, we'll just go. Yeah. I'll have to ask my sister. I I could go there. Like you could get there? I could get there. That's how I am. I'm the same way. So yeah, I, I, I know yeah. right where it is. I just don't remember what it was called because we we went there three or four years in a row when we were going to that art show. It's right off the highway there in Fort Worth. Kind of. I think something. I know where you're talking. Yeah. about. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. This is like her trying to remember Kevin Costner <laughs> in the car. In my defense, <laughs> you couldn't remember either. I'm like it's Kevin's. I think for for background on this, um, I, for whatever reason, get Michael Keaton and Kevin Costner confused in my brain. I don't know why, but like they're interchangeable in my head. Um, and so <laughs> which doesn't make sense because they're I know. nothing alike. They, they're completely different kind of actors. Look, I know I do this. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. But so we were talking about movies and we were talking about Rumor Has It, which has Kevin Costner. But I said it was Michael Keaton. And then we were naming other movies. And I was like, oh, Michael Keaton and Bull Durham. And she was like, no, that's still the other guy. But all she could remember was Kevin. Oh. So in my defense, she didn't know either. Well, it's because we were talking about Kevin Bacon and we were talking about Kevin Bacon so then all I could think about was Kevin Bacon let me make this easier for you one of them is an actor they're both actors no one of them is an actor do you not like Costner no he's He's pretty good in some stuff terrible um he was hot in Bull Durham hot is not the same as being a good actor it can be he he ruined (laughs) single-handedly ruined Robin Hood Okay, the, I'm a Nicolas Cage fan, so, uh, you know. <laughs> my son likes Nicolas Cage. I mean, maybe not for the same reasons that you do, but. I like National Treasure. Does that count? Martha, yeah. Sorry. Martha, it Sorry. really started no. from Valley Girls. I'll just never forget watching Valley Girls. And I don't know if I was in junior high or high school with the kids I babysat for, who they still remember. They still remember that. We'd sit down and watch Valley Girl, and I've just been. It's ridiculous. I get. I know it. He's a horrible actor, but I still like him. Did he you always watch? sounds like he has a stuffy nose. Always. Maybe he yeah. does. And he doesn't have very many <laughs> facial expressions. Maybe. 
maybe he broke his nose on the chair. Oh, now you gotta bring that up. <laughs> Fuck. So last, now I gotta tell the story about my nose. So I was redoing this room. Can you notice it's different in here? Well, I do, but our listeners don't because right. they can't see I know, us. but Ron walks in here after I was in here all day moving shit around and cleaning and doing all this stuff in here. He comes in and he goes, looks just the same to me. <gasps> How dare he? I know. It but, looks completely different. But anyway, I was moving shit around and I have this chair that like spins around that I'm sitting in right now. It's adjustable. It's a really nice chair. <laughs> And I moved it out of the way because I was vacuuming and doing stuff. And I, so I kind of moved it near where I was and I spun it around and I was doing something and I raised up and I turned around and I, and I came down again real hard, but the, the chair had spun around back towards me. And so I came down right on the top of the chair, right at the base of my nose at full force. I think I broke my nose. I'm oh, almost positive. You it broke hurts your nose. so bad. It's swollen at the bottom. So like my lip at the bottom of my lip is all swollen and it hurts to like bite into a sandwich. Because mm, it moves it. Oh, your nose moves when you, my I, and my t- my two front teeth hurt. Ooh, that's mm. horrible. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. So there you go. I broke my nose on a chair. <laughs> You really got to work on the story, though. It's it's really all about the chair jumping up. At oh, you. yeah. I really do need to work on that a little bit. Let's workshop it. You should see the other guy. Right? Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. The chair is broken Every, now. Everybody has to get punched in the face at least once to to be an adult. And yours just happened to be a with chair. a chair. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got that from, punch. that's a quote from Community, which I just started binging on on TV because I you know Chevy Chase I I like Chevy Chase I was I've always liked him but he's in that and that's a quote from him you're not a man until you get punched in the face well I'm not a man but (laughs) I've never been punched in the face I pride myself on it really yeah well I got punched in the face by a chair yeah I've, I've been punched in the face I'm sure with my brother, my brother and I, I got no hit love. in the face. There was no love Sometimes. lost between us when we were teenagers. Yeah, that's for sure. My brother and I were a bit like that, too. Very physical. Yep. He hit me in yep. the face with a vacuum cleaner hose. What? <laughs> you know, those huge ones, <laughs> huge, big, round ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was swinging it around. <laughs> wow. Right in the face. He says I chased him around with a whip. I'm like, why did we ever own a whip? I like, I don't even remember having a whip in our house. Like, that what? would be pretty cool, though. Whip it, whip it good. <laughs> okay. So, did you grow up then to be a dominatrix? Oh, totally. It was always in you. It was. It was. I am a control freak. It's ridiculous. Well, there you I go. I own it. I totally own it. My way or the highway. Just go. Shona G has a bald head. She's the one we were always talking about um, on because she comes on the call every Friday night. I always talk about the call. Anybody can be on the call. You just have to be a member of Three Book Girls Book Tribe on Facebook. And then you just show up in the Zoom call. And Shona G has been on the Zoom call since the beginning. And the first time I saw her, I was like, oh, my God, you have the most beautiful head. And we have two Shonas, so. We do, which yeah. is awesome. Yes. I love, 
it's weird. I've never had that in my life, but it's 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 awesome. So you not only do you have a Shona, you have a book girl Shona and a Texas Shona. A Texas Shona. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We need to just have like a big slumber party at my house and just have everybody come over. <laughs> Bring your own blow up bed and <laughs> I'm holding you to that because I am so ready for this to be over. I know. I, I just have to have Avani and she'll drive me home no matter how drunk I get because she has to take care of her dog. Yeah. Well, unless, of course, we get your child to stand to step up and. That's true. And drive. Yeah. So that you can get drunk, too. I don't know how much that'll cost me, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. That boy, he's an extortionist. I mean, he watches my dog because I bought him the newest iPhone. Oh, that's so that buys funny. me like at least a year. Jesus. At least a Maybe year. Maybe two years. Yeah, I'm going to be paying on that bad boy for two years. You're a better mama than me. Well, I they mean. They never go away, do they? Never. No. No, no never. they don't. No. How do boys do this? Because like I would never be able to convince either of my parents to buy me a phone. Oh, me neither. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work for me either. But but my little brother got all kinds of doted on. Well, my and here we are doing the same thing for our sons. What's up with that? I know. Well, you're perpetuating be, the cycle. To be fair, he generally does all his does, own yeah. stuff. He does. My son does not. He's getting better. He's getting better, but he likes being taken care of. I told him he just needs to get himself a sugar mama. God damn it. You know, your son compared now he compared does. to when he very first moved out. He is improved so much. Yes, she has. So if he keeps on this path, he's going to be a full fledged adult by the time he's 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. And I say that with love because I love your son. I love my son, too. He's so sweet. But he's my only child. I don't I think, think it's it, a boy thing. Though. I don't think I it would have made any don't. difference. I think I would have been doting on a daughter or a son. I think it's a generational thing more than I a, think it's because I never I got doted right. on. I think you're right. I think it's just the time we're in and it's a definitely a generational thing. Yeah. And mm. I'm not saying anything bad about any children from, right. you know, that in the age group that we're talking about. It's just, you know. The times that we're in, the adults and that generation. Squirt bottle. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I can't get any closer to no, my. But what you do is you talk to Shoni, you move your head. I'm trying to. I'm so, trying to rotate around the shaft, like you told she's, us. She's <laughs> <in>. <laughs> <laughs> rotate around the shaft. <laughs> <laughs> Which, thank you, by the way, that comes in very handy in my internet dating text messages. <laughs> hey, baby, I can rotate around the shaft. I've been practicing every day, rotating around the shaft. <laughs> We're talking about the microphone shaft, you dirty-minded individuals. God. <laughs> You know, I live vicariously through Vani's internet dating profile because, you know, I this is my 30th anniversary in July. Be, we'll be married 30 years. Dated for five, so it'll be our 35 years. Yeah, and internet dating is just, oh my God, it's, it's like a world of its own because everything is so dependent on the algorithm and how you answer questions. 
they give you all of these. You can answer like pages and pages and pages and questions. And it's actually kind of fun to answer the questions. But here's the problem that I run into. When I answer the questions, how I really feel, it like throws me into this dark web of internet dating. <laughs> and like the people that I talk that email me and text me are ones that want me to like lead them around on dog collars and meet them in the 7-Eleven parking lot. So hey, maybe you got I need a Slurpee and a blowjob, please. <laughs> I need a Slurpee and I think you do too. <laughs> it's just I just don't understand. And then if yeah. you don't answer the questions right, what happens? Well, then I get all of the Bible bumpers. I was just going to say, bumpers. do you get the Bible thumpers? Yeah, I don't think I... If I Bible if I, bumper? Whatever. You I thump, I like single, to bump. Bump, bump, bump. If I end up single, I'm just going to stay single because I cannot even imagine going into the... I mean... It's a nightmare and I won't do it. Which is another thing I hear all the time in internet dating. It's hard. Because guys think that's sexy. It's hard, baby. I, I, don't I literally don't I care. Don't, yeah. I don't get it. It doesn't change when you're married either. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't. Not turning me on there. Sorry. It's like, oh, it's a helicopter. That's nice, honey. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> that's a helicopter. <laughs> when they <laughs> helicopter. <laughs> oh, my God. Has a guy ever done that? Like, Yes. I was married. He used to do that. He thought it was like sexy. He would stand in the bedroom naked and helicopter his penis. And I was like, that doesn't do anything to me. I'm, I mean, okay, I like planes and stuff, but no. Personally, I vomit when I get into a helicopter. So I don't think that's going to be a good match for me, honey. Sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe other guys don't do that. I mean, I have only been married to one. But yeah, and he was a piece of work, so. Yeah. I don't know, but I have heard that a lot, though. Hmm. I have heard of guys doing that. And we know they're proud of them. It's just weird. It's just weird. So weird. You know what else is weird? It's like, you don't think it's cool when I do that with my boobs? Oh, wait, they might. <laughs> they absolutely like that. Hence, they do. Hence they the, do. Hence the existence of pasties. And yes. Tassels. Boob tassels. Yes. Boob tassels. That's yeah, just except so weird. for they don't ever go the same way at the same time. It's usually opposite way. I feel like you have to practice. Do you? Probably. Well, I don't have any boobs, so that's up to you guys but to figure that out. No, guys, when you have boobs like this, no, it works it better with smaller boobs. There are classes. You just go take the classes. When I was in Austin, I had several coworkers who went and took burlesque. <laughs> burlesque classes Co and uh, quote co-workers they were co-workers they Co absolutely co-workers co <laughs> I, I thought maybe you were just talking to yourself like like no. asking for a friend <laughs> no. i thought about it but i didn't but this place offered the burlesque classes and classes on how to be a sex phone sex operator Ooh, vani could teach those kind of classes yes she could <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah come on Vani. they gave us they gave us demonstrations it was it was interesting come on funny what <laughs> listen this is a book podcast they don't want to know about my what i'm wearing <laughs> come on baby helicopter for me helicopter that oh yes <laughs> swing it that way 
<laughs> oh, we are in rare form today, girls. Holy shit. <laughs> I suppose we probably should transition. Well, you know, the helicopter thing, it's a great segue into my book because <gasps> I read Flyboys. Well, how do you do? By James Bradley. That's Another a, one about from James Bradley. That's a legitimate segue right there. Yep. Didn't even try for that one. Nope. So, James Bradway... Um, James wrote, what? James Bradley. Thank you. I'm thinking Segway Bradley. Mm-hmm. Listen, now I'm thinking about helicopters and it's all going away. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it really was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> Come on over here with your... <laughs> Stringy noodle. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, I read Flyboys by James Bradley. He's the one that um, wrote Band of Brothers that I like so much. So I read another book of his. So this is about um, nine pilots during World War II, about the same time period that Band of Brothers took place in Japan. And they had a mission to shoot down communication towers in Japan. And he does the same thing where he goes into their lives and talks about them growing up, how they came to join the the Air Force, and, and just a lot of personal stuff to make you connect with the characters. And their planes were all shot down, and only one of them were rescued by the U.S. Navy. The rest of them were captured by the Japanese and held prisoner. So that's what this book is about. It's, again, a great book. I really like James Bradley's way of writing. I'm not going to tell you who was found and who was killed because, you know, that would give away too much away. But it was a great book. And one of the best things about this is it has airplane side effects in between the chapters. <laughs> when you listen to the audiobook? Yes. Excellent. <laughs> it was awesome. <clears throat> I, I don't think you understand how much I like planes. So now the whole helicopter thing is starting to really this come This is to making view. more sense now. It is. Yeah. I, I think yeah. he must have known how much you He thought he was doing like. this for your benefit because yeah. you love planes. That's true. I mean, I, could, I can see the way that he was thinking. It just didn't play out in his pelvic Execution. moves. In his yeah. pelvic moves. In his pelvic moves just didn't quite fit the White bill. men can't dance, and that's just a fact. Sorry. That's true. One thing that I found like really interesting about this book is he kind of name dropped a little because some of the flyers that he's talking about or one in particular became president of the United States. And it tells his story of being shot down and captured. And then who who became president that was shot down? uh, George Bush. George W. George George Bush. Yeah. Yeah, George Bush. Regular George Bush. Dad. Yeah. First one. I did not know he was shot down. Yeah, and he was shot down over this island. It just talks about the, you know, the cruelty and the torture that they had to endure and how they were rescued. And obviously, you're going to know that that one escaped because he was president of the uh-huh. United States. It was really interesting. I just think it's the tales worth telling for what these people, what these military, you know, Marines and Navy men and Air Force and everything, what they went through. You just like a man in a uniform. Admit it. 
I mean, man in a uniform and a plane. You know, my panties were wet in this whole book. I might as well have been reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Do you just like the World War II books or do you like other other war books? Um, I like the time period of World War II. I do like World War One also. Um, the Russian Revolution is pretty interesting. I've read some other war books and I do like some of them. It's just... It was just such an unusual time in history, the whole yeah. World War, because World War One and World War Two were so close to each other that it's just, it's interesting to me. I love the World War One and World War Two. I just started reading some um, Iraq War. Oh, yeah. And I, I've, I've read two or three, but I have found them very interesting. So I was just going to recommend one, one that I thought was pretty good. It's, it, it's called, it's by Kevin powers and it's called yellow birds they made a movie of it the movie was horrible but the book is outstanding he actually won an award for it really he wrote another book i haven't read it yet but he wrote another book it takes place in the civil war time period and i'm looking forward to reading that when i have it i just haven't read it yet. now i just read one on civil on the civil war that i'm going to review another time and it was good but i just i don't care for that time period in the united states history yeah well, i mean it's yeah. just I don't know. And, the, and this is fiction. This is a fiction book, but it was it's based on loosely based on his story and what he went through. But it was really good. What was his name again? Kevin Powers. Why does that ring a bell? Mm. Maybe because it's Kevin and we had such a hard time <laughs> remembering Kevin. Costner. That whole Kevin Costner thing has really got you flummoxed, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. I was just mad I couldn't think of his name. Just that, I'm I've so done good that at that. Before. That's the thing I know. It's pop culture. Yes, that's true. But yeah, again, before I forget, that's Fly Boys by James Bradley. Okay, Shona G. All right, so I read, it's a book called It's Bang by Daniel Pena. Oh, I thought and you were going to do a different one. No, no. I've been waiting to talk about this book in a more public forum because I think everybody should read it. I actually came across this book. I was at the Texas Book Festival actually two years ago and I saw the book and I picked it up several times in the store in the, the, the store that they have on site and put it down several times because I hated the cover. Hated it, hated it, hated it. I read the first first page of the book and I was like, eh. But then I went and sat and listened to a panel he talked about. He, he was on, it was a local Texas author panel. And I went and bought the book. And it, it took me about a year to read it. We read it in my local book club here. And um, it turned out to be our favorite book of the year that we read. Um, Daniel Pena, is, he's a professor at the University of Houston. He is somewhat of an expert in the Mexican drug war and drug cartels. And this book tells the story of what happens to undocumented people who find themselves back in Mexico, whether voluntary involuntary by whatever reason um it tells the story of a family uh we have araceli who's the mom uli who's a 16 year old um her 16 year old son and quata mahawk who is the 18 year old son and they are split they find themselves separated on both sides of the border the culminating event that in gets them on both sides of the border is a plane crash so araceli is mom Dad has already been deported. They, Araceli and, and dad brought over Uli and Quatamahawk when they were infants and babies, basically. So these two boys, for all intents and purposes, are 
American. They love Whataburger. They love Blue Bell ice cream. They love um, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, they were both track stars. Quatamahawks graduated, but um, Uli is a track star at his local high school. They identify as Americans. They want to be American, but they're still technically undocumented. They know nothing else. Um, the opening scene, it's very moving because the opening chapter is Araceli mom's story. And she waits. She goes to a certain gas station every day to wait for her husband to come back, to come back across the border. And he never does. And she sees Quatamahawk coming down the street. And in her mind, it's like she says, one son accounted for one more. And she'll do anything to keep the family intact. That's basically her whole, you know, being undocumented, living on, they live on the border, Harlingen, Texas, in a, in a orange grove. Quatamahawk is a crop duster. He was taught to fly. It opens on Uli's 16th birthday. Quatamahawk decides to take Uli for a plane ride. And the plane suffers engine problems. They crash. They don't know when they land, whether on the Mexican side or American side of the border. They quickly find out, both of them find out that they're on the American side of the border. Quatamahawk actually leaves to go get help. Uli wakes up. He finds himself in a hospital on Mexico. Quatamahawk finds himself on the streets of Mexico. He is sucked up into a drug cartel. He is pressed into service to deliver drugs for this cartel across the border to the United States. Araceli realizes this plane crash that she saw were her, her, her sons. She basically packs up her house and walks across the border to go find her sons. And what ensues is the story of each one of these people as they search for each other, basically. Um, Quatamahawk, like I said, he gets pressed into service to the, into the, for the cartel. Uli, he decides he leaves the hospital because he realizes that he gets caught there as a non-Mexican citizen. You know, he will be either sucked up by a cartel or the the authorities will will take him. So he leaves the hospital and decides he's going to go search for his dad, in in the town that he was born in. He subsequently gets caught up in a Mexican dog fighting ring and selling scrap metal. And Araceli, um, what I love, she was my favorite character of the whole of all three of them because she's a mom. Um, yet we find out through her journey that she obviously had a life before that. She's very mechanical savvy and she knows how to roll a mean blunt, which actually serves her. It serves her so well, but she does end up getting sucked up into the drug cartel. She ends up in, um, in a mass producing marijuana plant. And it is Daniel Pena writes so atmospheric. I felt like even the food, he would describe food and I could, taste the food I could see the food every setting he described I could picture it in my head I felt like I was there he came in he zoomed into our book club meeting and what we found out was we asked about one particular event some of these events that happen in this book are so gruesome and so violent you think it's made up it can't possibly be true and we asked 
a question of him of one event. It was called the lottery that occurred. And that's when he informed us every event, every place happened to someone at some point. They were all true events. And um, it, it just, it's a different story. We read so many immigrant stories, but it's about people coming to America. It doesn't tell us what happens when people end up back in Mexico. However, whether we send them back, whether they walk back or drive back or, or voluntarily go back, it has one of the most memorable endings of any book I have ever read in my entire life. It's a great partner. I know American Dirt has a lot of banks. See, he hates the cover too. He shared. He cried when he saw the cover. He had no no say in it, but it's a great companion to a book like American Dirt. Um, that was the big buzz this past year. Um, it, it was, I want everybody to read it. I, I think everybody should read it because it just gives a different perspective um, on, on that whole immigrant um, undocumented story that we hear all the time. It's, it's, it's hard, but it's good. But there's still a little bit of hope in it at the end. But it was an ending, like I said, that I, most memorable ending I think I've ever read in a book. And that is Bang by Daniel Pena. And he's very gracious. He'll interact with you. You can send email and questions or tweet. He's on Twitter. Tweet tweet to him and he will respond. He, he's very interactive, very gracious, a very lovely human being, actually. This is a really good book. Hmm. It sounds like one I would like. It is. I think of you when, when I you're reading it. To you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> as the only serious one amongst us. Yeah, I, I, not, I, not serious. Just you know. I love books that make me think and make me more, I guess, empathetic. Books that give me another perspective and another way of life and another. I was so sheltered and naive growing up, but it's it was really good. The library doesn't have it. We had to buy our book club basically uh, bought a copy for every high school library and every local library. To, really, to um. It's a local press. It's a local, you know, that's, you know, part of the problem. And I'm like, everybody should read this book, but it doesn't get, it doesn't get pushed. It doesn't get the. Is his last name P-E-N-Y-A? Pena? P-E-N-A. P-E-N-A. I don't know if it ever came up out in hardback. I think it came straight out in paperback, but it was really good. And I like to support local authors, but this was definitely one that I think deserves a lot of you need to let us know that the next time they have a book fair in dallas so we can come the last week in october and i was going to suggest we have a meetup and do yes it It is we should do it so they do local authors and and well-known authors um this year we had sonia sotomayor was there selling uh promoting her children's book actually went and listened to her she was amazing um Tyere Jones, Ocean Vong was there one year, hmm. but it's a two-day, two-day event, and it is amazing. And I happened upon it one year. We were driving back from San Antonio and and saw it and stopped. And, and where is it? It's in San. An- it's in Austin. Austin. It's the last weekend of October, and it's on the grounds of the state capital capitals which allows us to have some of those more high profile authors because um, it takes, you know, you have to go through all the security. That's why we could have Sonia Sotomayor this year, but we had James Patterson this year. Hmm. I think it was James, pa- it was either James Patterson or Dean Koontz. That sounds pretty but amazing. It's two full days. I mean, and I, and I am there from eight in the morning until 
Yeah, Attica yeah. Locke was was obviously oh Attica, Attica Locke, Locke. Was, oh love and they, Bluebird this year Bird, they Bluebird. presented they presented her the I think it was the Texas Writer of the Year now see I thought you were going to review Oliver Loving no I because, had to, I've been waiting to do this in a more public forum because, uh, I read that one in preparation for you being on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) which it was pretty good I didn't like it quite as much as you did but it was a really good book Um, it got me out of my funk you know what you should read is the one that Martha reviewed a while back called um, Boy Swallows Universe is that what it was called yeah Boy Swallows Universe it gave me the same feelings as that book gave me when I read it which, okay. again, I didn't like it quite as much as Martha did, but it was still a really good book. Because it was weird, you know, which is what sucked me in because it was strange, but it was really good. It is strange, but it's nothing supernatural. No, really. not really. Nothing like that. No. But you should, that one was pretty good. You I'll should, add that. You should try I think that I already one. have it on there. I think someone else told me about it too, so I'll uh, put it on Did you give your title and artist a second time? She did. Okay. I think I did. Okay. Bang by Daniel Pena. Uh, we're going to do a 180. Ooh. We always do. Yeah, that's true. I was just going to say, surprise, surprise. <laughs> do every week. Every, I know. I should never be surprised by this. I don't know why I always am. It's like so jarring sometimes because you got, you have your head in one space and then wah! we're off to Alyssa land. Um, so for those who have not been following along or new to the podcast, uh, my name is Alyssa, and I'm only reading historical romances right now. <laughs> this is almost like an AA meeting. My name is Alyssa, and I'm a romanceaholic. Uh, uh, this is all I'm reading right now because everything is horrible. So uh, this week, I read The Rogue of Fifth Avenue by Joanna Shoup. She was a new-to-me author. And this book, unlike most of the other ones I read, is set in America. Whoa! At first, wow. it was super jarring. I read like the first 30 pages and I was like, this is bad. This is wrong. Why is this like this? And then I was like, wait, because it's America. (laughs) This is set in America. And you wouldn't think that that's a very big difference. But back then, that was a very big difference. It is a big difference. I was like, why are they meeting at a restaurant? They can't do that. And I was like, yes, they can. (laughs) Because it's in America. So anyway, um. This book is about Frank Tripp, who is a lawyer, and Mamie Green, who is the daughter of one of his clients. And so at the beginning of the book, uh, Mamie's in a bit of trouble because she and her sisters have gone to a casino to gamble. Oh. They're not supposed to be there uh, because, number one, there aren't women allowed in the casino. But number two, uh, one of her sisters is not an adult. (laughs) She's like 16 or 17 years old. And uh, this is not the greatest part of town in the world. And they're from a pretty rich family. So just under no circumstances should they be there at all. But so Frank has kind of been tasked with he's kind of watching over um, Mamie and her sisters. And he watches her pick someone's pocket. <laughs> the rich and the he's rich like girl? what the fuck is she doing this is the rich girl right yes <laughs> she picks someone's pocket while they're gambling um and he was like well this is gonna stop now um and he also sees someone tries to um spike her drink with something and so he immediately is like Did you say historical yeah historical roofies <laughs> yeah oh okay roofies are old <laughs> okay 
Like, what time period is this taking place in? The late 1800s. Oh, wow. wow. During the Gilded Age. Okay. They're all historical. I know, but just the idea <laughs> of roofies back then just made my head well, spin Well, I mean, around. they didn't call them roofies. Well, obviously. And they didn't say, it didn't say spiked her drink. I don't remember what phrase they used, um, but that would be the modern turn of phrase. Yeah, I suppose that would make sense. I mean, way back when, you know, you had your sorceresses with their poison rings and whatnot. They still had chloroform then. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, but you didn't put that in somebody's drink. Well, no. But I mean, all these things still existed. Like, it's not brand new. All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to go anyway, off on that little tangent. Um. So he's like, and we're going home now. So he immediately gets them out of there. And uh, Mamie is pissed. She's like, what are you doing? She was having like, fun, man. Things were fine. Things were going great. And he was like, first of all, I saw you pick someone's pocket, which what are you doing? Why do you need to do that? You have your own money. Your family is loaded. Like, what is going Sometimes on right it's now? just to see if you can get away with it. He was like, and you shouldn't be there in the first place. <laughs> so he ends up taking them home and as kind of penance for having to rescue them, um, he convinces Mamie to go to dinner with him because um, his goal is to kind of strong arm her into stopping doing these things because this is not the first time that he has pulled them out of a situation like this. Mm. this so is, she's a little wild. Uh-huh. Yeah, they do things like this So on he's the trying to control her, that fucking bastard. I mean... Okay, I'll yeah. shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> I would say more he's looking out for her best interests. If you say that. If you want to call it that, Alyssa, you go right, right ahead. Okay, I'm going to. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call it. Um, so come to find out the reason that they gamble Mamie gambles and the reason that she's picking this guy's pocket is she's trying to raise money to help people downtown so um downtown would be downtown new york city um which was not a great place to live at the time families were kind of forced to live in like one and two bedroom apartments um where you would have like six or seven people living there um, people didn't have a lot of money. There was a lot of factory work going on. And at that time, factory work was pretty unregulated because Upton Sinclair hadn't written The Jungle yet. And so people died a lot from these jobs. Um, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for any kind of upward mobility. Mm. And so um, she's trying to raise money for these families because she can only like squirrel away so much of like her allowance that she's given by her parents before it becomes obvious that like she's taking it all somewhere else she needs more money so she can help more people awesome yeah she kind of tells him this at dinner and she's like i have to keep doing this And he's like you really don't you really can stop doing this hmm. um and they he really doesn't convince her and they're kind of at a stalemate um but unfortunately, the next day, there's a an article about them because gossip columns are absolutely a thing. Mm-hmm. And so there's a column about how they were seen dining together at this fancy restaurant. And this spurs Mamie's dad into kind of moving her engagement along. So she's kind of engaged to be engaged. Back then, it was kind of like, your child will marry my child when they're adults. Uh, yeah, the whole arranged marriage We're going to join our powerful Light. families yeah. through this engagement that right. is going to happen eventually. Um, and so her dad, in an effort, he sees this and is like, she might be interested in my lawyer, which I do not like. 
mm-hmm. at all because mm-hmm. he's not a part of like the society that we're a part of because a lawyer was lesser mm-hmm. than because it was like a it was seen as like a lower trade i mean you could make a lot of money but it was still like a trade trade Oh, you don't like own your own like back then, like owning your own company would put you in a higher echelon of society than like working every day, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so um, she is engaged to be engaged to this man named Chauncey, which is a ridiculous <laughs> name. <laughs> Martha just snorted coffee. <laughs> you just totally threw me off my game over here. Chauncey. 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 That sounds like when you're chewing gum. Chauncey is exactly what his name sounds like. He's kind of worthless (laughs) and spineless. Sorry if you have any Chaunceys out there. Sorry, Chaunceys. Um, I don't think there are that many of you anymore, so we should be good to go. (laughs) Somebody's grandpa, maybe. (laughs) Kind of worthless, kind of selfish. Um, And he, like, he isn't super interested in this marriage happening either. Like, they're both kind of like, well, we've always been told that this is what's going to happen, so I guess this is what's going to happen. And so neither of them are thrilled about it, but their dads are like, full speed ahead. They're getting married. We're so excited. Um, And so there's some of that going on. And then there's also a murder case happening, which is exciting that I don't want to spoil. And I love a good murder case. I love other stuff going on in stories. Um, And through all of this, uh, Frank and Mamie start to fall in love and they're kind of always like at odds. So that's really fun. This book had really a great conflict, which I like. Um, Like something that really annoys me is when like the main conflict of a book is they just like didn't communicate with each other. Uh. Like that's dumb and very high school. (laughs) And so this book had a lot of, it had multiple conflicts going on. So that was really fun to see how the book like kind of evolved through it. Like you kind of solve one problem and then they were already in another problem. And it was really good. Um, once I got past the fact that it was set in America, <laughs> it was really hard. It just sounded wrong for such a long time. So anyone else who's also a fan of historical romance, um, it's also going to sound wrong to you too, but it's going to sort itself out and you'll get used to it. Right. Um, so this was The Rogue of Fifth Avenue by Joanna Shoop. Shoop, 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 doop, Now, that time period in uh, New York City is actually really interesting. I've read some books about the 1800s, New York City, like mm-hmm. the poor, like factory worker kind of situations. And it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's sad, but interesting. All right. Your turn. So, Martha, I'm sure you did not read a (laughs) historical romance. You're right. I didn't read a historical romance. (laughs) I'm just adding some extra C's in there. Historical. Historical Historical romance would be um, Oklahoma in the the 1800s. A a historical romance. I'm going to pass on that. That's not what I'm into. That'd be a Dust Bowl romance. (laughs) Chauncey! Come on over here. Look at this girl. She had all her, she got all her teeth. You're horrible. You weirdo. Her overalls are just about clean. I think you should go ahead and take her out right now. Chauncey. There's a, there's a patch of clean hay over there. 
<laughs> you go right on over here and you get her some sweet tea in that patch of clean hay. Chomsey. She fall over you like a possum on peanut butter. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's not a phrase. It is now. No, God damn it. Not. I just made it up. That's Fuck not you. a thing at all. I bet possums love peanut butter. I know my dog does. Everybody loves peanut butter. Possum on a peanut butter. No, oh a God. possum on peanut butter. You know, like they be licking. It's not a thing. She's delusional. So. This week, I read a bunch of books because thanks to the Friday Night Book Tribe, I had a lot of good suggestions this week. And so I was able to find some good books to read, even though I was in a major funk all week long because it was my furlough week and I was grumpy and pissy. I did find a couple of really good books. So the one I chose to read was recommended to us as a group by Taylor are you reviewing are you, are you reviewing 13 yes i yes. Do remember her yes i recommended that let's see. did you well she's the yes. one that put the link on there she put the link on there yes but she was the one that was like oh yeah that's fucked up yeah. oh okay all right okay yeah sorry shauna i didn't mean to disparage you i please i want all the credit okay so it was shauna g's suggestion that i read this book because Unless you didn't like it, then Taylor did it. <laughs> I love you. You're just like me. Okay. So, yes, the name of this book that I chose is 13 by Steve Cavanaugh. Now, it's got a really weird fucking spelling. So just search for Steve Cavanaugh because it's spelt with um, T-H-1-R-T three en or some weird shit like that instead of just a regular 13 although in goodreads it comes up regular 13 spelling i'll say i bet you can search it regular and it'll pop up yeah so it's a serial killer novel and you know i love those yes Mm -hmm. but this one was different enough that i felt like i could recommend it on the podcast because it's so very different it is the serial killer um is actually on the jury Mm -hmm. i love it i know for this murder trial yeah and it's the murder trial the the main character one of the well the main character is the uh detective but the guy on trial is a celebrity he's part of a celebrity couple and the the thing that he's on trial for, supposedly he um, comes home and finds his best friend and his wife in bed together and snaps and kills them. Well, you find out details later on in the book that makes it very obvious that that's not the case at all, because things aren't always what they seem, because the famous guy is hiding some stuff about his true identity because he's famous, as they often do. So anyway, um, the the book, is it Eddie Flynn? Is the name of the detective? The thing I didn't realize when I started reading this book is the fact that it's the fourth in the series, which doesn't seem to matter at all. Because, so it's a standalone? Yeah, I mean, because I, I just basically looked it up 
in the library, checked it out, read it. And then when I went to put it into Goodreads, I realized that it was the fourth in a series. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference. The detective in it, uh, his name is Eddie Flynn. And he was he was a pretty good detective. I really he was a smart guy was able to really figure the case out. But it's interesting because you get the point of view of the killer guy because he's sitting on the jury. Hmm. You know, and you get inside the mind of the killer, all this stuff. And I think the most fascinating part of it was how he did it, how he was able to put all of this crazy shit together. And he's and the thing is, is he's done it more than one time. It was crazy. And it was just believable enough. Yes, it was. When they find the body inside the mouth of the woman is a dollar bill that's been folded into a. Is it a star? Butterfly. Butterfly. Okay. Um, And on the dollar bill is a fingerprint of the guy who's the famous dude. But there's also blood on the bill from a deceased serial killer. What the fuck? Exactly. So you're like, oh my God. It's just got some really cool stuff that you, I mean, you're, Totally engaged the entire time trying to figure this thing out because you can't figure out how the fuck he did it. Um, for example, they know um, they think they have a slam dunk because the guy they he's on video going to his house at nine o'clock at night and they don't show him leaving again. But he actually did leave. Hmm. So that's all they have all this stuff in court that they're putting out there. And it's just really a cool, fun, completely engaging murder mystery serial killer thriller that's perfect for this time because it totally wiped away all thoughts of anything else while I was reading it. So thank you, Shona G, for the wonderful suggestion of the novel 13 by Steve Cavanaugh. I thought it was awesome. great. Yay. Yes. They, they called the serial killer Dollar Bill, which I thought was really uh, fun. You know how sometimes they name serial killers? When they start to figure out that it wasn't the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So Dollar Bill. So they're trying to find out who Dollar Bill is. And then, oh, so That's cool. a weird name for a serial killer, Dollar Bill. Yeah. I thought it was cool. But well, he leaves a dollar. Because he leaves a dollar bill in right, the mouth. I understand why. And he's done why. it before. He's, and when they start to realize... But it's just not as terrifying as some of the serial killer names that we come up with. Yeah. Buffalo Bill and. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Hannibal the Cannibal. Right. Mm. Exactly. So that was that was my fun, relaxing week of reading. Actually, I had I read a bunch of stuff. I read another book that I think I might save that in my back pocket for later. When we need to have a discussion about narrators. Ah, it was a bad narrator. No, it was a good narrator, but you know how when you've read an entire series of books, like a really long series of books, and the narrator becomes the story? Yes. And then later down the line, when you read another similar type book read by the same narrator, you instantly fall into that pattern Mm -hmm. and end up liking a book that you probably wouldn't really have liked because it's so much like pillars of the earth and uh winter wars uh-huh it, that uh, both series is is 
uh, by the same narrator. So after the, what, like 250 hours worth of right. listening to that specific narrator, I, if, and if I read it, if I listened to it and anybody else was talking, mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. If I right. read the book right now, I would probably hear his voice. Right. So when I end up reviewing this book, which I think I might, because even though it wasn't, it was a little bit too much in Alyssa's camp. Oh, what? So there was like a tiny bit of romance in this story? Yeah. Yeah, there was. <laughs> this Somebody much. made googly eyes. At this no, someone, no, it was a little bit more than that. Someone it, was, it was pretty heavy, actually, on it. <laughs> but it wasn't standalone, like your definition. It's not my definition. It's the definition. All right, whatever. <laughs> the definition. It's the definition. <laughs> I define it a little differently. Alyssa, You're incorrect. You definition. <laughs> For myself. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but we'll talk about that maybe next week, depending on. But what I want to talk about right now is, God damn it, when you download a recipe from the internet, and, and I do this every year because we have a massive strawberry patch in our back garden, and I run out of recipes every year for strawberry stuff. Really, the only thing you can use for strawberries is dessert items. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can, you can do salads. a salad, you can do a salad, but it's just, I mean, you run out of things because we have a lot of strawberries. So strawberry pies, strawberry bars, this, that. So every time I see a new recipe with strawberries listed in it, I hop right on there. And I was so excited because I found this recipe for strawberry lemonade blondies. And a blondie is like a brownie, except for it's not chocolate. So um, I'm not going to read all the ingredients to this, but just suffice it to say that everything that went into it sounded wonderful. Mm -hmm. Lemon juice, strawberries, I'm thinking nice, tart, sweet, cakey, yummy. Like a lemon bar, but with strawberries. With a strawberry puree lemonade covering. I mean, it sounds incredible. So I finish it up, which it took for fucking ever. Mm -hmm. I finish it up. And I bite into it, and it's like one of the worst things I've ever had. It's just terrible. (laughs) And Ron's like, oh, you're just being too harsh. So so he bites into it. He's like, Jesus Christ, that's terrible. Did you follow the recipe? I'm like, of course I followed the fucking recipe. It's right here. So um, we, we left it sitting on the counter. And then when Alyssa and Bonnie came over, I said, Come here, you gotta try this. It's terrible. <laughs> Have you ever done that? This yes. tastes like shit. Try it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it reminded me of that Geico commercial with the trash pandas. Um, raccoons. Yeah, yeah. Raccoons, raccoons where, where he goes, he's eating trash and he goes, Oh, God, this is terrible. It tastes like burnt hair and something. He goes, Yeah. Come here, you gotta try this. It's terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I do that when there's something bad that I want somebody else, mainly because I want to see if it's just me. And Martha was right. Uh, they were indeed terrible. Yeah, they were pretty bad. They just had a tiny bite of it, and they were <laughs> they understood. It, I ate half a bite, and I threw the other half of the bite away. Yes, it's bad. Mm-hmm. And I did follow the recipe. So I'm just it saying. It was so lemony. So I know. It's, and I well, just, it just wasn't sweet. And I like lemons. At all. Having an internet recipe. I actually made a chocolate cake from the internet one time. And it like boiled over in my fucking oven. Oh. All over the bottom of my oven. Chocolate cake everywhere. 
I think, where are you getting these recipes? So that was a while back. That Recipe was when the, when the internet was young back then, a long time, time, long time ago. But in positive news, we did get to eat the Golden Graham S'mores bars. Yes, and, and that those was delicious. Were yeah, I tweaked <laughs> that one a little bit. It was good. Rachel was on the podcast last week. She made them. She tweaked it a little bit. But what she did is she put some chocolate in the marshmallow while it was cooking. Oh. So it was like the chocolatey, marshmallowy thing she had going on. And I thought, hmm, I, I want I want roasted marshmallows on top. So that's what you did. So what I did is I made the bar and then I covered the top of the thing with marshmallow and stuck it in the oven and let it toast up pulled it out, poured chocolate over top of the marshmallows, and then put more golden grams on top of the chocolate to keep it from being so gooey smushy. It was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw that sitting there. I'm like, Alyssa, Alyssa, look. Look at that. And she's like, do you think we're allowed to eat it? I'm like, oh, Martha. It's much better to ask forgiveness than permission. Well, they know this is my house. If I leave stuff out, there's a reason. You know, the only reason I ask is because Alyssa said, do you think Martha would care? I'd be like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you do live a ho- in a house of infinite sweets because I do. of Ron. Yes. He's constantly baking this man. Constantly. And I baked this week because, you know, furlough. Yeah, you baked lemon bars. I'm like, oh my God, I can't get that taste out of my mouth. I mean, I've said that before, but it wasn't about trash pandas. <laughs> Going back to my internet dating. <laughs> not a slushy that I want. Would you like to expand on that? <laughs> no. <laughs> and on that note, that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.